Hey everybody, what's up? This is Jesse again, uh, recording the second part to how to stop the social media overwhelm. And this is for how this is how podcasters, YouTubers, Instagrammers, Twitters, and anything, any other aspiring influencers, business owners can avoid the stress, FOMO, envy, and tire spinning that goes with having to post on so many different social platforms. So, um, if you listen to part one, you know this is more geared towards creators. This isn't just a self-help book for people who are trying to stop being addicted to social media, although I feel like I would love to write on that topic ad nauseum. Um, so, and uh, as is the same with the last um, the last recording I did, I'm calling this an audiobook because I really don't know what else to call it. So, <coughs> and I know it's going to be pretty rough, but... Uh, I think the content is going to be really good because these are some based on some really good survey questions that I had from people who are wondering just how to build their Instagram accounts and things like that. So, um, yeah, so let's let's kick off. Well, let me give you the overview of what we're going to be talking about. First, we're going to be talking about, you know, in the first part, we talked about how to value your time right now. Um, and we also talked about. Uh, the kind of some of the difference of the platforms we're going to go in a little bit more into those differences because what what I want to discuss here is what you should be posting and when you should be posting it um, and we're going to go into that a little bit more and each platform is just a little bit different um, but there's some principles you can follow so while this isn't going to go in depth on each platform um, yeah I, I will uh, just kind of like give you some general principles you can work by um, also, if you notice my voice is kind of quiet, it is about midnight and it's I'm sort of an insomniac and I uh, knew I wanted to do this and uh, so I just woke up. I didn't wake up, I never fell asleep, so um, I'm recording this in the middle of the night because what else am I going to do, right? So anyway, um, so after we talk about some of the differences of what you should be posting, when you should be posting it, um, I also want to cover some other um, things that... Um, I had a question from a person about the feeling of inauthenticity when she's posting on social media, feeling a little bit fake. Uh, I want to touch on that. And then oversaturation of niches. Uh, if you feel like you're doing the same that a thing that a thousand other people are doing, should you still be doing it? We're going to touch on that. And then really one of the big things that I want to talk about are time thieves. And there are four of them, and I'm really excited to talk about those. Um, that's where... I think you're going to get the most out of this because once you figure out what your time thieves are, you, like the stress just starts to fall um, off your shoulders. It's really great. So let's go ahead and jump into it. So going back to what should we be posting and um, what at what times? So in the first one, um, first part of this, I did talk about the different platforms of kind of how to pick your platform. Um, each platform has slightly different algorithms, and they're they're based um, they they sort of have different shelf lives, if that makes sense, or half lives. Um, so if you post on something like Twitter, what I mean to say is Twitter is incredibly incredibly transient transient. So it really matters what time you post, because if you post you know uh, one or two hours off when most people are not on it, they might not even see your tweet unless they're you're getting notifications from your specific account, you know. Um, so, just yeah. So something like Twitter, it may, it's going to be different than Instagram. Is slightly longer half life. 
Uh, Facebook is a little longer yet, and then YouTube podcasts are even longer. Now, some of the shortest are the uh, live streaming, because those give notifications sort of on the spot when people are on there. So you really want to try to live stream whenever you know your crowd is on. Um, so, um, so when should you be doing this? Uh, okay. Um, well, let's talk about what you should be posting first, and then we'll get to when. So what you should be posting, it's a little bit tough to tell because it's you, what you really need to do is take a shotgun sort of approach and you need to produce uh, quite a bit of content and post it over time and measure your results. Now, um, things like Instagram, they will have a business account um, available for you. But if you choose the business account, it's a double-edged sword. So with the business account, you do get really good analytics on specifically what time of day people are choosing to watch your stuff. Um, now, the problem with doing an Instagram business account is once you sign up for that business account, Instagram takes that as, oh, this is a business, which means you're gonna spend money on ads. So they will deliberately drop your engagement. And uh, this is sort of what happened with Facebook a few years ago. I don't even bother po posting organically on Facebook anymore because it's so, the reach is so, the organic reach is so like low, basically. Um, so, but if you do choose to have the analytics, now Facebook pages, they had analytics. I heard recently they might be getting rid of those. I don't know, um, but that'd be something you can use for your pages on Facebook if you're posting. Your Instagram account, again, you can measure the time of day uh, with the business account if you want to do that. Um, or you could just sort of measure, um, you could keep track on your own. Just say, okay, I'm going to post every day at 3 p.m. to see what my results are like. And then next week go 8 a.m. And then just kind of tested a few different things. Now, one of the easiest ways to do this is if you, um, if you have if you can spend a little bit of money on ads and just run them 24 hours a day because what the ads are going to do they're going to show you the most uh, engaging times that your followers are on the platform um, problem with ads though is that you actually have to be selling something because if you don't if you don't have anything to sell obviously you're not going to make your money back um, but if you have something to sell you can sort of recycle those ad dollars you know if you have a ten dollar product uh, and you can get away with spending five somewhere between you know one and five, you know five or maybe even up to nine dollars uh to where you're kind of like breaking even even up to ten if you're breaking even you're getting really good analytics um you spend 10 bucks and then you make it back you know if you're breaking even then you're getting really good data so that's something else to consider now uh i said that we were going to talk about what you needed to post not when you need to post it <laughs> I, and then I went and spoke about when you need to post. Okay, so anyway, um, some of the, a lot of these YouTube also has analytics. You can see uh, when your audience is kind of most engaged with your stuff. Although because the shelf life is longer there, it doesn't quite matter as much. Um, although it is nice to get a nice spike of views in the beginning, if uh, you can get like uh, you know quite a few views right on the front end of your um, you know your video, which if, if you know publish it as a live event. Um, the, the getting a good spike of watches at the beginning does seem to help. So um, now podcasts, um, I, it's such a longer shelf life, um, and it's it. I, from what I understand, um, I'm not a pro at the podcast algorithm, but I don't think it's as advanced as some of the other ones. Um, 
but if you can have that same thing where you you know okay if I post at this time on this day um, I'll get that spike of listenership um, that that can help but I mean there's so many podcast platforms it's hard to I mean some of them will have analytics on the back end and some won't but if they do just try to find some um, like I know that uh, Anchor has some good analytics but I can't remember I have to log in log into my account um, to see if they actually have uh, analytics. Um, Twitter, to me, I just think it's so transient. I stopped trying to post on Twitter a long time ago. Um, I don't even consider it worth it anymore. Um, so yeah, just keep in mind that, that in terms of when your audience is on, you really just have to experiment over time and um, just do the shotgun approach and experiment with a lot of stuff. Now, in terms of what you need to be posting, this is something that uh, I had a big question about from a friend of mine. And he was trying to do stories on Instagram and, and reels. And he was just saying, like, there's so many different things. It's hard to know, first of all, which one to pick, you know. Uh, and then second of all, what to post on it and when to post. So we did talk about which thing you should pick in the last um, ebook, we'll call it. Um, but uh, just, you know, Instagram is an interesting one because you're like, oh, I'm going to post on Instagram. And then you go there and there's like, four or five different ways you can try to post and they're all just like it seems like an amorphous blob of nothing so um i've not i think stories are probably the some of the most engaging although now that they're not knocking off reels I, that's probably going to be pretty engaging as well um so you know use your judgment there it's all about testing now in terms of what you need to post the content uh, i've had a lot of questions on this this is something that you are going to have to figure out with your audience. So I'll give you some examples of what is good though. So um, really the, the best way to do this is find your favorite Instagrammers and people you wanna imitate and see what they're doing and what gets the best reaction. Um, so, uh, and then I have a, a, an example from my own account. So from my own account, you can go and look, it's at JL Kickboom and uh, it's pretty funny because when you look at the posts, a lot of them look the same. It's because I tested a lot of different things over time, and then I found my niche, my groove. If you look at the posts that, um, and it's this this account is specifically geared towards drummers, right? And so most of the the recent posts are picture, you know, they're they're thumbnails of my hands playing the drums, and you can see the drums. My face is not in the shot, and but if you look at the earlier posts that are not those, and it's like let's say it's you know my. Uh, I was talking to the camera, doing a headshot. Those have significantly no lower engagement. Like people do not care to see my face at all. However, if you're like, uh, you know, someone else who has like a prettier face than me, um, then people would like to see that maybe. So um, that's something you just have to test over time and, and kind of gear it towards your um, audience. So I know for me, drummers, uh, because they're so into technique and they want to study the hands, they care about, about seeing, being able to see your hands a lot more. So that's something that works for my niche. you got to think about your niche. What is your niche and what whoever's watching it, why would they be watching it? Like what, do you, what value are you offering them and base the content around that. Um, so, uh, and again, this is just like the ad, uh, or sorry, the when you should post uh, thing. What you should post is a shotgun um approach where you do a lot of content over time and what I would do is if you don't have enough followers to really get a lot of data after like a year when you've produced a ton of content 
just create a Facebook account, uh, ads account, and go run some Instagram uh, engagement ads for really cheap. Just spend like five bucks a day for like a week and split test all of your different posts to see which sort of thing gets the most engagement. And then when you see the trend, like, oh, every time I post in this way with this point of view on these particular topics, I get the most engagement. So um, so that's what you should be posting. So notice for, for both of those, when you should be posting and what, there's no solid answer. It's all has to do with testing. Every single bit of this, I'm, I've built accounts up to massive, massive numbers, and I'm telling you, everything is just split testing. That's all it is. Um, so, and so you gotta be really wise with your time because you could just end up creating content forever trying to do that. Um, but uh, that's why you gotta just try to pick one. I always suggest picking just one platform and really try to optimize that one before you branch out into other ones. Um, okay. Now, um, let's see here. Uh, what was my next thing? I'm, oh, oh yeah. So I did have a question about the feeling of inauthenticity and also oversaturation. These two kind of fit together. Uh, one person that I was talking to the other day, she said, you know, one of the problems I'm having with Instagram is I feel kind of like um, she had the, 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 the word inauthenticity, but she was also kind of pairing it with not just feeling inauthentic like fake, but also feeling like she was kind of showing off. Now she's a singer, and um, she, I think, you know, she was just talking about how she'd be self-conscious on camera, like, well, what are people gonna think of me? Or are they just thinking I'm showing off? So this, um, what you really have to get to here uh, is you just kind of have to not care about. Uh, you have to be the right amount of polarizing. And by that, I mean, um, Russell Brunson has something called, he calls the prolific zone. And it's right in between the crazy zone and the boring, run-of-the-mill, what everybody else is doing zone. Um, so the, the prolific zone is, is let's say, like, um, you know, this. I'll take diet, for instance, instance because it's so, it's such a widely... Um, marketed to thing so the the boring oversaturated world is you should eat um, this many calories per day and it should be mostly whole grain breads and it should be a lot of vegetables maybe some meat uh, not too high in protein and super low in fat right and then you have the crazies who are like um Maybe they uh, they don't think they need they like they basically go the complete opposite direction and they eat only junk food all the time, right? But right in the middle, you find diets like the paleo diet diet or the keto diet where they're sort of counterintuitive, um, but there's good data to show that they're real and so they're they're right in what they call the prolific zone where it's it's something kind of like a little bit sub niche. So you got to figure out in your particular niche. Um, you, and you also have to be true to yourself. And this is why the, the, the feeling of being fake and also the oversaturation, they kind of fit together um, because these two topics, if you get your voice uh, really clear and you figure out what like the message you want to tell without caring what anybody thinks, um, then you're oftentimes going to end up sort of in that prolific zone because you, whatever you're saying, your voice, you have a very, you know, most people have a unique point of view and... Um, 
And so there are caveats to this, but in general, if you're more true to yourself and you're more honest, that's what really resonates with people. People don't like fake people and, and, and they can tell from a mile away. So if you're just, you know, like my friend, she's a singer, I'm like, man, if you're a singer and you're good at it and you love doing it and your crowd wants to hear it, then go for it, you know? Um, so it's a little bit of a problem if the crowd doesn't want to hear it, then you got a different problem. <laughs> you got to figure out a new niche if uh, what you're doing nobody wants to see or hear um but uh that is something to to think about it's just kind of finding that prolific zone where it's like you're not too crazy that everyone thinks you're going to be wearing a tinfoil hat um but you're also not the status quo you're kind of right on the the fringe and you're a bit polarizing and with that what ends up happening with being polarizing is inevitably you're going to push some people away but 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 the people who end up embracing you, they end up loving you way, way more because, you know, they're, you, yeah, you're, you're going to resonate with them much more. Like think of, you know, if you're a, if you're a people pleaser, right, and you're talking politics um, <laughs> and you're in a room full of liberals and conservatives, right, and you say something um, – like somebody asks what your point of view is and you're like oh and you try to be a people pleaser like oh well i I can see both sides you know whatever you know like i I could see why you guys believe this and you know the other side believes this right um (laughs) you can see how like it's kind of a people pleaser like you're not really getting anyone to love you (laughs) whereas if you walk in there and you're like screw trump i love Biden," or like screw biden i love trump whatever it is um half the room is going to turn against you however half the room the other half the room is they're going to become your best friends so that's why you got to be authentic is because the more authentic you are if you really uh believe what you believe and you don't don't make people feel bad don't don't trash people that's the last thing you want to do but be firm in your convictions and be true to yourself um and and that's what's going to really resonate with people they're they're going to feel that honesty um but uh, yeah, but don't don't trash people. That's that's a mistake that people make on social media is they try to be polarizing, and what they end up doing is p- pissing people off. Um, this is something I do a lot, and I just warn against it, even though I can be quite offensive to some people sometimes. Um, so now uh, again, yeah, getting true with yourself that will so ho- hopefully kind of help you avoid that feeling of inauthenticity, like you're you're not being fake. You're just doing what you love, and you found a crowd who wants to hear about it you know um and so that will also help the oversaturation because what ends up happening is let's say for my singer friend right she's got a very unique voice that nobody else has so even though there are tens of thousands of singers out there she's going to sound unique amongst all of them so that will help the oversaturation problem now now we got to my favorite part the four time thieves okay time thieves these are the things that keep you from basically achieving your true purpose uh and this is in all walks of life not just the social media world where you're trying to reach out and grow your audience um, the four time thieves these are so so important to think about and uh when i started thinking about things in terms of this which was not that long ago um when i started recognizing these time thieves it made it so much easier to course correct throughout my day so i stopped wasting time uh, and they are just so unbelievable. And they, they came mapped out by uh, a lady named Juliette Funt, I believe is her name. Um, and uh, she runs a, 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 a website called Whitespace. I think it's whitespace.com or whitespace something. 
Um, anyway, but it's about just kind of like figuring out where your time thieves are and then implementing some white space in your day, some time to think. That way you're not just overexerting your brain all day. Okay, so what are the four time thieves? Man, you guys are going to get so much out of this. This is awesome. I can't believe I'm just like sharing this on an audiobook without charging people for it. Okay, the four time thieves are ambition, perfectionism, knowledge or information, and activity. Now, each one of these sounds good, right? Uh, we're going to go through one by one and show that if they're good in themselves, but if taken to an extreme, they're not. So let's start with that first one, ambition. This is one I struggle with a lot. Ambition, um, other people use different words. Juliet uses a different word for this, and I can't remember what it is, which is why I'm using the word ambition, but it's basically a synonym. Um, it's good to be ambitious. It's good to set goals, right? But what ends up happening, especially this is very true of people who are doing their own projects and trying to promote them on social media. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I promote a lot of stuff, and um, I, I can just get caught up in ambition where I'll – I'll think like, oh man, this project is going well. I should schedule the next project. And then I'm like, oh, I need to do this project too. And pretty soon I got like 10 projects and I'm switching between them all on like an hourly basis and I haven't gotten anything done at the end of a month. So ambition is good, but it's, it's not going to be good if you let it run amok. So you really do need to, if you're like me and you're an entrepreneur, learn how to scale it back and strategically take one hill or two hills and after you've taken those hills strategically plan to take the next one or two um, it's in Juliet Foon's data it seems like anything over the three uh, projects at a time uh, productivity goes down severely so if one you, you know you might be bored with one and this is something I've experienced maybe you can relate is when you're doing something and it's held up for some reason so Let's say you are working on some promotion. You create a Facebook ad, right? Well, you got to wait a few hours before they're published, and you don't have anything to do until then. So that's where it's good to have a second project is because you can sort of bounce off, bounce between the two while you're waiting for one to be, to kind of process. <coughs> so, um, so ambition is good, but remember, it's not good if it runs amok. So... Um, there are questions, by the way, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. There are questions that you can ask which, with each one of these where you can basically diagnose if they're getting out of hand. So the question for ambition is, is there anything you can let go of? You ask yourself, is there anything I can let go of? Um, any projects, like think, okay, macro level, what are all of the things that I'm working on in my work life or my personal life, you know? Um, but, you know, with this, we're talking about social media and your promotion. Um, if you're running a business of sort, some sort, we're going to talk about work, work life here. Um, asking yourself, is there anything you can let go of is going to allow you to sift through and prioritize, okay, what are the top one or two things, maybe three, and then just work on those until those projects are done. And literally write the other ones down on, like, the backside of a paper or something. So you you know you list the first or maybe on a you know you got a Google sheet right um, with all your goals listed out. Make a separate sheet that you don't see, but you have documented that you can see when you want to. But it's just not right in front of you, right? Or keep a notepad on your phone 
where the very first note is just your top one or two projects, and then all the other ones are listed on in in a note you know that you can't see. Um, so, all right. So the second one, this one gets a lot of people too. Man, the four time thieves. The second of the four time thieves is perfectionism. Now perfectionism, um, this is something that will keep you stuck for years. Um, I have to tell you, I will confess that there have been certain projects that it would take me way, way too long because I wasn't willing to just shove content out into the ethos. And um, I was trying to make things too perfect. You have to understand that perfection is not going to happen. Um, now, it's good to strive for something really good, but if it's holding back productivity, you just need to get it done and make it good enough for what it's for. So that's the question you can ask yourself is, is this good enough for what it's for? And then the, the, the main question is, yeah, basically another way to phrase it is, where is good enough good enough? So if you're producing a piece of content, you know, chances are the, whatever you're freaking out about, about how it's imperfect, nobody else is even going to notice. I promise you. Um, yeah, there were there was one time. I went back and thought uh, there was a time that I spent on the, building this website and it took about three weeks. And then I realized if I had just taken, like it, it could have been done in almost an afternoon if I had just gotten my perfectionism out of the way and my unwillingness to um, let somebody else do what I needed done. Um, it could have been done so fast. Um, this, once you really... Letting go of perfectionism is amazing because once you can do that, then you can start trusting um, the ability to outsource things. And even if they're not totally up to snuff, you can perfect them over time. Um, and when I say outsource, I mean like hire somebody else, you know, for, you know, I, I love websites like Fiverr where you go and hire someone for five bucks. And, uh, you know, they live in a, a country where the dollar is not very strong or sorry, the, the dollar is super strong and their own currency isn't. So $5 to them would be like a full day's pay. So you're giving them a full day's pay. They're super thankful, and they'll do amazing work for you. Um, and I found a lot of people like that. So, And once you can let go of perfectionism, you're going to start to see that it's going to help your, your ability to outsource um, comfortably and not freak out if something's not absolutely perfect. Um, although if you're paying somebody for it, you know you want to make sure it's, it's up to snuff. <laughs> but um, letting go of perfectionism will let you it will give you the ability to be comfortable with well maybe not even comfortable but it'll it'll start you on the path towards being comfortable to outsource <laughs> let's say that so the question again is where is good enough good enough you got to ask yourself that question about everything you're doing all right the next one is knowledge right so a really good answer or a really good example of this is let's say you're preparing for um Let's say you're preparing for a presentation at work. you got to give a presentation. So you start researching for this presentation. You're putting things together. And then you, your curiosity gets piqued. And pretty soon you start researching more and more than you would actually you need to. And eventually, two hours later, you're, oh, you're on your computer. You've got 20 tabs open. And you've gone through 20 different articles about some obscure topic that for some reason you just really want to know about. So knowledge is, um, it's good, but I do think it can become an idol. Um, I used to, um, 
love to learn as much as I could because I love to debate people. And um, the thing is, I there was a point where I had so many things memorized on certain topics that I love to talk about. And what ended up happening was I never got anything done. <laughs> like I wasn't doing anything with my life. So you talk to those people who they make an idol out of this. And you know some of them. They're, a lot of them are, are in college. <laughs> and they think they're really smart because they'll talk um, ad nauseum about philosophy or whatever their political point of view is. And, uh, and you know what? That's fine. But you know what? You haven't done shit yet. So um, maybe get your act together and actually be productive. So um, excuse my language. But that's just how I feel. So, um, and, and I say that with all love in my heart towards those people, because I, I'm definitely that type of person, um, being able to prove people wrong doesn't really do you any good in life. So, um, just for, for this one to curb this, you know, don't make your curiosity, you know, don't feed it too much, um, prepare for what you need to prepare. And then really how you curb this one is you ask yourself, what do you truly need to know? And by the way, this is also going to help you when you're trying to limit your time. I know I talked about setting boundaries with social media in the, the last audiobook. This is going to limit the, um, uh, how do I say this? This will limit the exposure that you put yourself to, through um, when you're on social media posting. You know, I think I mentioned in the last one, you know, you go and you create a piece of content and you go to post it. And while you're waiting for it to post, you see ah, crap, like, there's there's something that just, like, there's a political opinion that I have to disagree with right now. And so you you hop on the platform, and pretty soon you, an hour's passed by, and you didn't even realize it. So just ask yourself what you truly need to know, um, because that's going to uh, keep you from going down any rabbit holes, um, whether it's on social media or just any research in general, seeking knowledge. Yeah, because, again, yeah, not all knowledge is good, uh, you know, the context here what I, that I was given with somebody preparing for work is, you know, they're preparing to go into a work presentation. But I'm also talking about, like, knowledge of, like, other people's lives. Like, do you really have to look at those Instagram posts? Do you really? Do you really have to log on Facebook and, and like, see what everybody's up to? So I'm not talking about knowledge, like, technical knowledge for something, you know, important I'm also talking about just like the curiosity that you want to know about what's going on. You know, you get that fear of missing out, the FOMO as they call it. Um, so, yeah, uh, ask yourself that question. You'll avoid FOMO. Okay, and then the last one is activity. This one is a huge time waster too because there are a lot of people out there who have the misconception that if they are busy, they are getting things done. And this is one of the furthest things from the truth that I've, uh, man, it's so frustrating. Um, I want to, I want to give like, kind of paint you a picture of um, a job I used to work at. So at this job, I was, uh, I worked for numerous different bosses, and for one boss, he was paying me per hour, right? He was paying me per hour, and it was like, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, I want to say it was like, you know. 15 bucks per hour is was the, the pay that I was getting at the time, right? And uh, it so at the end of a day, you know, maybe I'm making 
80, 90, 100 bucks after like an eight, eight to 10 hour day, uh, or sorry, seven to eight hour day. And, um, and then I, I started working for this other boss. And what ended up happening is he said, no, I'm not going to pay you per hour. I'm going to pay you per job. And he told me, I'm going to pay you 150 bucks for, for one job. So think about that for a minute. If I'm getting paid $15 an hour at the, with the first boss, to make $150, I would have to work 10 hours. Now, I got so good at my job after two or three years of working for this other guy that I could complete a job in maybe three to five hours. Um, and when I say a job, I'm talking we're installing you know stuff in homes, uh, home safety systems. Um, so it started out as hourly pay, and I was not incentivized to work faster. I was essentially incentivized to do activity that made me look busy, busy so I could fill out a long day and get paid more. So do you see what I mean when I say activity is not always good? So the second boss taught me that if I'm being paid by the job and not by the hour, then I'm incentivized to get the job done faster because now if I get the job done faster, I'll have the same amount of money, $150. But if I get, get it done in three and a half hours instead of 10, then I've got all those extra hours to myself. So that's where I really truly learned the difference between productivity and activity. So you like really take a look at your life and seeing like, what are you doing in terms of activity that doesn't need to be there? And I'm willing to bet that some of you are gonna find quite a bit if you make a list of all the things you do throughout the day and really ask yourself at the end of the day, was it worth anything? Was it good that I actually did that? Like what are the fruits of it? And that's what you want to do at the, you know, the end of your days or weeks. You could take a look at all these things, look at everything you did, all the knowledge you got, all the perfectionism, you know, list them out at the end of the week and just take a look and say, was it worth it? And when you look at how many hours you will have wasted, you're going to start to realize that these four areas um, are really important to keep on the front of your psyche at all times. Um, because it's, what it's going to do is it's going to give you more time. It's going to give you more time. You're going to start to feel less stressed. Um, it's going to give you more white space time to just not even think, but let thoughtfulness happen to you. You know, just sit down and stare at a tree for a while. Like, it's amazing. You know, so. Um, so those are the four time thieves. All right. So this sort of concludes. Um... Oh, I didn't ask you that. I didn't for that last one. I, I'm sorry. I'm shooting by the hip here. For activity, I told you I'd give you a question. Each one of those ambition, perfectionism, knowledge, and activity, they each have a question that they could be asked. The one for activity is, what really deserves my attention? Right. So, what really deserves your attention? Like, what are the activities that don't need to be there? You know some of them kind of go together like if you're a perfectionist you spend extra time doing activities perfecting something that doesn't need to be perfected because nobody's going to notice or care about it and so you just fill in time so um so let's go over the four questions again if you ask these to yourself on a daily basis um and if you can get in the habit of doing it multiple times a day it's so so helpful so the four questions are is there anything i can let go of where is good enough good enough? 
what do I truly need to know and what really deserves my attention these are amazing amazing questions I actually have them uh, it affected me so positively that I made my own wallpaper on my phone and I put them on my phone on the lock screen so that whenever I open my phone uh, I turned off some of my notifications so I don't see notifications really um, although there's a few that are popping up that I have to turn off but it's on the lock screen so literally all that that I see is the time and then the date and the temperature of course and then those four questions on my lock screen so every single time I pick up my phone I see those questions so um, this if you start to like um, implement asking those multiple times a day I promise it's going to <laughs> increase your productivity and then uh, where you really need to at, like ask yourself those questions is when you do go to post on social media for your business or for your influencer you know profile whatever you're doing your band uh, this is gonna keep you from getting too sidetracked um, and wasting your time so all right um, as always you guys can reach out to me um, yeah, just look in the description of wherever this is being posted on my website or whatever. There's a contact or if this is on a podcast or something like that. Um, just try to find me and you can. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave traces of me somewhere. Just look around. So anyway, I look forward to talking to y'all again. And oh, and if you haven't um, heard the first part of this, go back and listen to it. Um, yeah, um, go back and listen to it. It'll be good. So. All right, y'all have a good day.